Good morning. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Brennan. I'm the worship pastor here at Eaglemont. And we're just so excited that you're with us, so excited that you're here, whether you're just, you know, visiting to see um, some of the people getting baptized or you're here exploring Christianity or this is your church family. I'm just so excited that um, you're here this morning to worship together, to have this community. So thank you for being here. We are in the uh, well, just kind of the beginning of our Gospel of John series. We're just going like passage by passage, bit by bit, through this series, through the, the Gospel of John. So um, we're going to be probably in this for a while. Not sure exactly. We don't have it all mapped out how long it'll take us, but this we're going to take our time through this walkthrough. And really what we want, what the goal of doing this is, is to have a deep understanding of, of who Jesus is and how he lived his life, and we want to encounter him as we read this text, as we read about his life. And so I just want to encourage you uh, also, as we read this through this whole series, to just be reading John along with us. Uh, maybe read the passage that's coming up. Maybe read it after, um, after the sermon. It will just help really let this, this amazing gospel soak into our hearts, soak into our minds, and really change who we are. Um, so I just want to encourage you to do that. You can find what we're preaching on if you go to our main page of our website and click on the What's Happening at Eagle Mom button. It has all our upcoming sermons and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I just want to encourage this because, you know, we don't change by just um, knowledge. We don't change by just learning something new and then suddenly we're better people. Things need to be put into action. There needs to be habits and spiritual disciplines, and that's what the Bible teaches us to do is to put things into action. We need to take what God speaks to us into our lives. So that's why, yeah, just wanted to encourage you to be reading along with us, to be walking through this journey in your own personal life as we do it here as a community as well. So let's just, uh, let's seek God right now. We're just going to pray to open up our time of the sermon. Um, yeah, I've just had it heavy on my heart to just, I just want us to settle and to really think about this time that we have. You know, it's not just about me being here for half an hour talking. It's about what we're learning from God's word. So let's be ready to hear from God, ready for what he might do, what he might speak to us. So let's pray and, uh, yeah, just open up your heart with me. God, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for Eaglemont. And God, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the, the gospels that we have of Jesus, for the good news that they give to us, for the good news that they give to the world. God, we just want to meet you. We want to meet Jesus in this text, in this gospel. God, wake us up to see you. Help us to listen to your call. I, I know that there's so much more that you want from us. You, there's so much more you want to do in our lives, so help us to hear your call, your direction, your way for our lives. Jesus, speak to us in these moments. Help us as we go into the world after this. Place something on our hearts that, that we can change to become more like you, more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's just jump into the reading today. We're in John uh, 2, 13 to 22. I'm reading from the NIV version, and uh, you know it's a pretty famous story. So let's be open to what God has for us, what he wants us to hear today. Because with, with stories that we know, it can just be like, oh yeah, I know what happens. But let's be listening. 
So starting in verse 13, chapter 2. It says, When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. Um, Obviously, can't get into every line, everything that's happening. But obviously, what people latch onto here is Jesus, um, you know, pulling out a whip and then like flipping over tables, right? That kind of sticks out. It kind of seems a little crazy. So we we need to talk about that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's quite the scene for Jesus to cause. And for, for most of our, you know, most of us, we have this idea of Jesus. It kind of seems out of character for, for who he is. So, you know, you might, you might read this passage and think, wow, this, this Jesus guy's a little unhinged. Um, so let's just be clear. We've got to clear up a couple things so that we're not really thinking that. So one, Jesus did not promote violence um, ever. This is not a passage of the Bible that can be used for some argument of of Christian violence. There's just no argument for that in the New Testament. Of course, we can't get into it today. I understand, like, we understand that the Old Testament is is more complicated, and unfortunately, that's that's another sermon. Uh, And but it's okay to if you've read the Old Testament, you might struggle with this idea of a loving God and also these things that the Jewish people, that God told the Jewish people to do, it, it seems like it can't work. And it's something that we have to maybe struggle through or wrestle through as Christians. And that's okay to do that. That's okay to work through that, to struggle through that, to have questions. Um, but that is a whole nother sermon. But the Old Testament's a little more complicated. But when Jesus came in the New Testament, things changed. You know, in fact, after you know, following Jesus for years, the, the early church leaders, which, who were his disciples, you know, his closest friends, the, the people that were with him the most, they were fully, fully pacifist. The church was, was known for their pacifism. They took Jesus seriously when he said to turn the other cheek and to love your enemies. And they followed his actions by taking up their crosses and giving up their own lives for others. And I think it's just... Something that, that Western Christians need to be challenged on sometimes. Um, Jesus just completely condemned violence. And so we need to be careful maybe when we think a war is justified or when we crave violence as, even as a reaction to something unjust. We need to invite Jesus into those areas. You know, verse 15 says, So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. It says he, he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. From the sentence, it seems pretty clear uh, that, that the whip was used to herd animals um, when it specifies all as you know, both sheep and cattle. And the sellers, of course, would have, would have 
followed and ran after their animals if their animals started running away. Um, so let's not jump to conclusions and think that, that Jesus was, was whipping people because scripture does not say that. And that would be opposite of who Jesus is and what he taught. So it doesn't say that. You know, he was, he was angry and he used seemingly pretty, pretty aggressive tactics, um, but it was nonviolent. It was, it was aggressive. I'll give you that, yeah. Um, but it was nonviolent. It says he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. So again, feels aggressive. He's, there's some aggression there. There's, there's some anger, but it is nonviolent. And, you know, another thing to clear up when we, when we look at this passage, when we look at this story, is that this was not some uh, unprovoked, you know, attack. Jesus didn't see this and just suddenly snap and go into a rage. Jesus was not controlled by his anger. Again, I, I have no doubt that, that he was angry. He seems angry. And it's, it's okay to be angry. Um, anger is not a sin. Emotions aren't wrong. God made us emotional beings. God is an emotional being. And, you know, our emotions are just reactions that happen because of who we are and our circumstances or situations. And anger sometimes, in, like in this case for Jesus, is a very valid and maybe sometimes the only correct response to something. Jesus here feels, feels righteous anger. And he's angry for a good reason that we'll talk about uh, in a couple minutes. But his anger is, is righteous. So, like I said, it's, it's okay to be, be angry. I think just as a church, I think it's important that we allow ourselves and allow others to have full range of, of emotions, that we don't, sh- you know, kind of shame certain emotions. Go, like, you can go read the Psalms, and they're just absolutely full of emotion. Like, even, even sometimes, like, anger at God, and you're like, is that, is that okay? But what's most important is that God wants honesty. He's, he can take our anger. He can take our emotions. But we always have, always have to, you know, still the Psalms. They come back to worship, and they come back to trust. Even if you have those emotions, it's still important to come back to God. But it's okay to be angry. But, you know, we also have to realize that probably a lot of us get angry for the wrong reasons. Like, maybe for selfish reasons, when something doesn't go our way, or reasons like we just lack kindness or patience in situations like I'm sure I'm not the only one that when traffic is slow or something happens in traffic specifically, maybe it's because you're in your car and no one can hear you, suddenly you're letting words fly that you would never say if anyone else could hear you. Or you get angry at, you know, something small. Um, we get angry at the wrong things, maybe something small because you just, maybe you have a short fuse with your, with your kids or your spouse because you're just, you're tired, you're overworked, you're sleep deprived. Um, you know, in those situations, it's okay to like, when we get angry and we don't feel like it was the right response, it's okay to feel your emotions, listen to them, and dig up kind of what's underneath. Why are you feeling that? Because it's, un- what, it's what's underneath that might need to be addressed. And okay, obviously, not a therapist, um, but that's what I'll say about that, kind of how we view anger. Um, it's okay to be angry, but it might not, not always be for the right reasons. Um, but here, we can learn how to be angry from Jesus. And I think that's important. Now, Jesus was angry. Again, it was righteous anger. But even in his anger, he was not controlled by it. He did not do something he regretted. He allowed himself to feel anger, and then he did something good 
for the world. Okay, so now that maybe those two things are cleared up, if that's kind of our initial response, is that Jesus is just some crazy angry guy or some violent guy, hopefully we can think a little differently now going into the story. Okay, so let's, let's kind of set the scene of what's happening. Um, you know, it tells us when it was almost time for Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So during Passover, Jerusalem would have been packed. Like, you know, the estimates are kind of all over, but it's at least, it's at least three times the population normally, if not like up to 10 to 15 times the population of Jewish people coming to Jerusalem for Passover. So the, the city would just be so busy as this was the law for Jewish people to go to the temple to sacrifice and have the Passover meal. And, you know, the temple is not the same as just any church. You can only build, you can build as many churches as you want now for us, but there's just, there's one temple. There was one place where God's presence dwelt on earth. So everyone had to go to the one temple in Jerusalem. And uh, Jewish people, yeah, would go to Jerusalem go to the temple, they'd offer sacrifices, uh, specifically a lamb for the Passover, and then they would have the Passover meal and the celebration. Uh, the Passover was a celebration of the, the Exodus story of God rescuing uh, the Jewish people from Egypt out of slavery. Like, if, if you've watched The Prince of Egypt, you know the story, or you read Exodus. Um, Prince of Egypt is a great movie also, a great animated movie, highly recommend. Um, DreamWorks made it right before they made Shrek, which is kind of funny, but it tells the biblical story pretty good. Um, and yeah, anyway, so all these people traveling in, uh, making long journeys, they needed an animal to sacrifice because it would just be a, a huge pain to bring an animal on the long journey. Um, so it kind of just started that people started selling animals in Jerusalem to be, be able to sacrifice so you could follow the law of the Passover. All right, and... Um, you know, the temple where this was happening was a fairly large area. You can see on the screen. It, it was about uh, 36 acres. And, you know, all, this, uh, all the animal selling and the exchanging of foreign currencies, because you had to exchange your currency to, like, the temple currency, um, all that was happening in this temple area. And that, that area surrounding the, the inner temple area. Okay, so there, there are a few things about this that would have made Jesus really angry, really upset. And first off, Okay, we know from reading the Gospels that, that the, the Jewish leaders at the time were, they were very corrupt, and they were driven by wealth, and they were driven by status more than serving God and serving people and loving God. So there's very little doubt that, um, that the Jewish leaders would, ha would not have taken advantage of this opportunity, right? They probably got a cut of what the animal sellers and the, the uh, currency changers made because they allowed them into this temple area, into where everyone was going to be. It was kind of like giving them a, a monopoly. And it's very likely that these merchants uh, also took advantage of this monopoly they had in the area and the busyness and the chaos of the Passover holiday. And they, they probably very likely charged people way more than they should have um, to change over their money and to uh, purchase an animal for sacrifice. In, in the story of the clearing of the temple in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers, calling them out as a den of robbers. So uh, these are not honest businessmen, uh, and Jesus fought to protect the poor, 
So this would have made him extremely angry that these people were taking advantage of the poor. So first reason, Jesus was angry. People take advantage of the poor. Um, or just taking advantage of anyone. Second reason would be, if you can look at the picture of the temple again, uh, like I said, all of this was happening in the court of the Gentiles, that big courtyard surrounding the main part of the temple. And it's called the court of the Gentiles because that is where the Gentiles could go. Uh, Gentiles being anyone that was not Jewish. The Jewish people could go into the central part of the temple, but the Gentiles couldn't. That was, that was the law of the temple. But this, all this whole you know, chaotic situation was happening in, um, in the temple. It was taking up all the space that was created for the Gentiles. So, you know, imagine if you are, well, if you're a Gentile, I'm assuming not hard to imagine. Probably most of us are not Jewish. Imagine you're a Gentile in this time. You're a um, you know, non-Jewish person. You, you go to the temple. You want to serve the Jewish God, the Israelite God, and you go to the temple, a place where humans and God can come together, a place where heaven and earth come together. You come here to seek God. You come here to offer sacrifice and to praise God, and you come here to pray, and then you walk into this temple, into this like cacophony of sound, just birds chirping so loudly. There's, there's sheep, there's cattle, there's this bustling market. It's frantic. It's hectic. It is busy. It's claustrophobic. It smells like animal crap. This is the place that you're supposed to meet with God? Like, this is the place you're supposed to pray? Like, you can get a sense of, of how much the Jewish leaders cared about people from other nations. So now imagine how Jesus felt. He, he came to earth. He came down from heaven for who? Not just for the Jews, but for everyone. He came to earth for the people of all nations. He came so that people can know God. And, and the place that they're supposed to do that, the place where God's people were supposed to show how to follow God to other nations, is taken over by this market so that certain people can get rich. Like, no wonder he was furious. And in this moment, Jesus goes to fight for you. Again, not, not, not literally throwing punches, but he goes in here to clear out anything that would get in the way of you encountering God, of the Gentiles encountering God. This is what Jesus is doing here. So we should, we should read this passage, and our response should be worship. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for me to meet with God. Thank you for caring about me. In, in this moment, he is showing care for all the nations, for everyone on earth. He's making a way for people to meet with God. Okay, and Jesus still wants to do that same thing. He is still, as, as, as the verse says, zeal. He is still zealous for his father's house. He is zealous, consumed by this desire for, for you, for your friends, for your family, for your coworkers, for the people in your life to know God and to come to him. And that zeal is what led him to the cross. That zeal is what led him to give up his life so that everyone, by choosing to follow Jesus, can come to God. Everything Jesus did, his life, his death, his resurrection, everything was so that you could follow him, was so that you could have the opportunity to know God, 
to love him and to fully experience his love for you so that you can live a life that's as it was meant to be lived. This, this sermon is called, uh, it's called Temple versus Temple. And kind of to, to wrap up today, here's, here's why we called it that. You know, what, what Jesus did here was to protect the integrity of God's temple. You know, where God's presence was here on earth so that people could be with God, which was the, the whole purpose of the temple. Now, in the story, Jesus also called his, his body the temple because now he was the place where heaven and earth overlapped. He was where God and humanity were brought together and were here on earth. So Jesus was the new temple. You know, we read verse 18. It says, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? So they, they saw him clearing out the temple and they're saying, uh, okay, seems like he has authority, but how, you know, why do you have this authority? And Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So he is saying, they're saying, what authority do you have? And he's saying, it's because I'm the new temple. It's because I am going to be where God and humanity come together, where there's a place for them to meet. So the, the purpose in the t- of the temple is changing in Jesus' ministry. When Jesus died, he fulfilled the, the animal sacrifice system that was given to the Jewish people. Obviously, we no longer carry that from the Old Testament. That was fulfilled. And he made it possible for, for anyone to go to God. No temple building needed. Right? The, the new temple had arrived. Okay? And Jesus was the temple, the place where God's presence and spirit was on earth. And now when, when Jesus returned to heaven and he gave us his spirit, so the Bible tells us that now we, as his disciples, are the temple. So that there was this, this shift. Now, when, you know, when we accept Jesus, we are filled with God's spirit. We become the place where heaven and earth intersect, through which God does his work here on earth. So in this story, we have the shift of the old temple versus the new temple happening here. There's something changing in Jesus' ministry, and he changed it forever. We are the new temple. That is the shift that Jesus makes in his ministry. And he is still zealous to move in our lives. He is still zealous, consumed by the desire to clear God's temple, to clear God's temple of all that shouldn't be there. That's us. And, and there's stuff in our lives that Jesus wants to clear out. He is just as zealous to turn over the tables of the things that, that we have set up that get in the way of people coming to know Jesus. Uh, whether that is ourselves growing closer or other people. He wants to come in, clear out the things that we've made an idol. He wants to turn over the tables and say, you know, like, get it out of here. The things that, that come before God even just our phones, our distractions, our, our addictions, our apathy, our sin that we hide, our, our sin that we don't want to give up, the things that we, that we just casually make more important than the things that God has called us to, the things that we make more important than church community, more important than our time with God. You know, when, a, when something else comes in the way of the core practices of Jesus and, you know, your willingness to serve Jesus becomes second to that. You know, 
this other thing is then your first priority. And that's not how we're meant to live. That's not how we're meant to follow Jesus. He needs to be first in your life. Jesus wants to clear out that today. Of course, we could, we could name other things, but we're going to do something a little different um, today. Maybe I know we've done this before. I think it's been a while. Um, we're we're going to end in a, in a couple minutes of, of silence and listening prayer. And I, I know that that is sometimes very awkward, but we're here now together. We have space now. You know, we're going to go out into the world and things are busy and we're distracted. We have space now to listen to God. So that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, we're going to give space for God to move and for Jesus to come in here, come into our lives and overturn some tables today to clear out the things that shouldn't be there. That is what he wants to do. And you know, if you aren't a Christian, you know, no, no one's going to judge you if you're on your phone uh, for this time. But I also encourage you to, to, to pray. And, you know, if you're seeking, if, you're, if you have questions, ask God to speak to you. Maybe you want to pray, Jesus, clear away these doubts. Answer these questions I have. And just wait for him to show up. But as we pray, I just want to encourage you. Just, just pray, God, speak to me. And then try to listen. And if you might probably get distracted, just come back to Jesus, speak to me. And then try to listen. Pray that, we would be, that you would be open, willing to listen, and that you'd obey what God puts in your mind. It, it, it might not be easy, but this is, this is something to grow in, and it's something con to continue to do, something we're going to do more as a church uh, next year in our Hearing God seminar. This is something that is so important for us, for Christ followers to do, is to hear God's voice and to respond to it. God may just bring something to mind, and if he does, accept it, think about it, and give it back to him, and commit to follow him more in this area. Let him clear out what is in your heart, what is in your life, what is in your mind that shouldn't be there. Let him he bring healing. Let him bring direction. Just let God speak. And, and if you don't hear something, it's okay. It can, it can sometimes be difficult to discern God's voice. So just continue to do it, though. Try again on your own time with God. Or um, Our 3 by 5 challenge that we've been doing this year has those questions on the bookmark. Continue to practice listening to God. But to end, let's pray now, um, and then I'll just give you a couple minutes to listen to God. And if, if you speak something, just maybe, you know, take out your phone, or if you have paper with you, write it down, and commit to following him in whatever way he is speaking to you today. But let's pray. Jesus, we want to serve you. We want to serve you. We want to know you. We want to walk with you and be transformed by you. So God, we just invite you in. That's all we can do, God. We invite you in to turn our lives upside down if you need to. As scary as that is, God, we trust that you want what's best for us today. We invite you in to clear out anything that is stopping us from following you, from knowing you better. Help us to continually pray this. Come and move in our lives. Help us to listen and follow what you speak to us today.
just take some deep breaths. Calm your heart and your mind. And let's just listen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you speak to us, that you're with us. God, I just pray the things that you've spoken, that you'll settle in our hearts. God, that you'll help us to follow you in these areas, God. That you'll help us to take this challenge into our week, into our lives. God, help us, if we need to, to change our lives, to give you more space, more time, God. Lord, I just pray, God, that you use today and what you've spoken to, to shape our lives, to shape the lives of the people around us, God. We pray that we can draw closer to you and know you deeper so that we can learn to love others better as well. Thank you, God. And God, I just pray that if, if we didn't hear anything today, God, that you that we will continually come back to these questions, that we'll continually come back and try to hear your voice. I just pray that you speak to us. Help us to learn how to do that, God. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here today, and thank you, God, for what you're doing at Eaglemont today. We love you, and we praise you. Amen. Thank you.